Now we want to make everyone very welcome to the meeting this evening. We're glad to see you and we thank you for coming tonight and remind you of the uh, rest of the week in the Lord's will. We were here on Sunday and then now for these four nights, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday at 8 o'clock each evening. So we invite you to come again if you can and encourage others to come as well. Now these nights were not on any theme or any particular subject, but uh, a variety really. And we know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. I want to read tonight firstly in Genesis chapter 37. The book of Genesis and chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37 and verse 1. <coughs> and Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Now just a short reading in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. Exodus chapter 3 verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And then there's a final reading in 1 Samuel and chapter 17. 1 Samuel and chapter 17, please. Verse 33, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 33. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And they went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. 
And David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Now that's all we just want to read <coughs> with the Lord's blessing. We've been singing tonight hymns in relation to the Lord Jesus as the shepherd. And we have read about shepherds tonight from these scriptures, these three different places. We've read about Joseph, we've read about Moses, we've read about David. And I want you to notice something that stands out in relation to each of them. I want you to notice, first of all, that Joseph fed the flock. And that's interesting. There in Genesis 37, Joseph fed the flock. And then in Exodus chapter 3, we see that Moses led the flock. He led the flock to the backside of the desert or to the west side of the desert. And then David kept the flock. He kept the sheep. And we get that in 1 Samuel, where we have just read in verse 34. So three things in relation to these three shepherds. Now I know tonight that all shepherds are characterized by all of these things, because every shepherd was uh, not only to feed the sheep and to lead the sheep, but to keep the sheep. But I'm just taking, as it were, something that is prominent in each one of them, and to draw some lessons from them that would help us all in our Christian experience. Now, of course, the, the thought of a shepherd, generally speaking, you don't always think of Joseph as being a shepherd. And yet, the Bible makes it very clear here that he fed the sheep. And so Joseph was a shepherd. Now, shepherds were common, of course, and going right away back to Abel, it is said of him that Abel was a keeper of the sheep. We've read regarding this lovely character, Joseph, that takes in so many chapters of the book of Genesis. And if we were just to do, as it were, a little outline of his life, very simply, it might be a help to us. Now, the first thing, of course, in relation to Joseph, you think of him as the son, the beloved son of Jacob. It says there we have read that Jacob loved uh, Joseph more than all his brethren. And he showed it, and he made him a coat of many colors. Now, Joseph, you would probably agree, I'm sure, is the greatest type of the Lord Jesus in the Old Testament. When we think of Joseph and the parallels and the pictures and the pointers to the heavenly Joseph, our Lord Jesus Christ. And you think of Joseph as 
the Son, the loved Son. And we remember that the heaven was opened and there came that voice at his baptism and that the transfiguration. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And you know this evening Paul writes to the Colossians and he speaks about the son of his love. And we not only can think about the son of his love, but we can think about the love of his son. And so the first thing that stands out in relation to Joseph, that he was the son. And then he was sent. That's the second thing I want you to notice. Now, we haven't read all these verses, as you know, but no doubt you have a, a, a knowledge of these Old Testament characters. And we read further on that Jacob sent Joseph out of the vale of Hebron. Hebron means fellowship, that place where they dwelt together in union and in communion and in richness and in blessing. And when we think of Joseph, how he was sent, he was sent out of the veil of Hebrew, the son who was sent. You remember the scriptures are so many that tell us about God sending his own son you have in Romans 8 and verse 3. You have it again in Galatians 4 and 4 that when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son. You have it in John 3 and 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What a lovely picture. Sent. He sent Joseph out of the veil of Hebron. And the Lord Jesus, the heavenly Joseph, was sent out my of the realms of glory, those scenes above. And he came to where we were. And then, you know, Joseph was scorned. It tells us that when his brothers saw him in the distance, they said, Behold, this dreamer cometh. And you remember how that they hated him because of his dreams and the dreams that he had. And they scorned him. You don't have to think too hard to get the parallel with the Lord Jesus. He came unto his own and his own received him not. They said, is not this the carpenter's son? despitefully. And so we see him scorned. And then Joseph was sold. You recall how he was sold as a slave down into Egypt. They brought him, they had put him in a pit and they took him up out of the pit and they sold him to those traveling men, the Ishmaelites. And Joseph was now on his way down to Egypt. You think of the heavenly Joseph, that he too was sold. Joseph was sold 
for 20 pieces of silver. The Lord Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. 20 pieces of silver was the price of a boy slave. 30 pieces the price of a man slave. And so he arrives in Egypt. It's amazing, you know, that he in all probability passed those pyramids that people travel to see today. And Joseph enters, as it were, through Egypt's gates. And we find him, now he is sold into the house of Potiphar. And there he becomes a servant. What a servant Joseph was. Potiphar never had a servant like Joseph. You remember it says about Joseph that the Lord was with him. And it says about Potiphar that Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him. And he gave him the running of his whole house. And nothing as it were was left. It was all given as it were into Joseph's hand to run, to control the whole household. And so we find him as a servant in the house of Potiphar. Oh, I'll tell you tonight, if Potiphar never had a servant like Joseph, God never had a servant like his son. You know those lovely words of Isaiah 42, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit in him. I'll tell you, here was a servant. Well, God had had many servants. We know that. We have read about one of them tonight, Moses. You remember when Moses died that God said, Moses, my servant, is dead. It was a high honor. It was something special to be described as a servant of God. But here, my, there is a servant in the Son, in the Lord Jesus. A servant that eclipses all the great servants of the past. Some of them were my courageous. Some of them my of great ability and great standing. But they all pale into insignificance when you think of God's servant. Then you remember Joseph in the house of Potiphar on the record of Potiphar's wife. And the next thing we find Joseph suffering in the dungeon, wrong, wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife, the lies that she told. And Joseph finds himself shut away in the prison house in Egypt in the dungeon. A terrible place to be. Remember, he's only a young man. Probably not much more than 20 years of age or so. You couldn't be exact or to the, the, the exact year, but he certainly was a young man because 
We read of him later on. He, when he stood before Pharaoh, he was 30 years of age. And so Joseph is in the dungeon. And there my suffering. We read in Psalm 105. The psalmist said he sent a man before them. Even Joseph who was sold for a servant. Whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron, or the iron went into his soul. What a picture of the Lord Jesus. My, I'll tell you, if you were to think of Joseph, it's, a, it's a, quite a study just to trace the word down. He went down to Shechem and down to Dothan and down into the pit and down into Egypt and down into the dungeon. There was one tonight, the heavenly Joseph, and he came right down, down to the depths of woe. Christ Jesus went for me, we sometimes sing. My, tonight the marvel is that there was one who came right down to where we were and who went right down to the very depths of shame and suffering on the cross. You know, oftentimes we say of him, there was no one who ever came further. He came from heaven. There was no one who ever went lower. He went down to the very cutting off of the mountains. There's no one who has ever gone higher. That God hath given him a name which is above every name. He has exalted him far above all. So we have Joseph suffering in the dungeon in Egypt. And you remember the butler and the baker. You know the story so well. And this time we see Joseph as the seer. S-E-E-R, the seer. Or the one who prophesies. The one who is able to interpret dreams. You recall how that the butler dreamed. And he told the dream to Joseph. And Joseph interpreted the dream. That within three days he would be restored to his former position as being the king's cup bearer. And then of course the baker, he wanted his dreamed to be interpreted as well, but sadly it was not so for him. In three days' time, he would be hanged. And so from the dungeon, the butler was brought into his former position before Pharaoh. When it is well with thee, remember me. But you know it says that the butler forgot Joseph. And Joseph is still in the dungeon, in the prison. And the butler is there in his former position with Pharaoh the king as the king's cupbearer. He tasted the wine. You see, the greatest fear that kings and monarchs had in that day and many centuries to come was that they would be poisoned, 
that they would be given something that would poison them. And so the, the butler, you see, he tasted everything. And, of course, if it didn't affect the butler, the king would be all right. But you see, there he is in this position, and there's Joseph in the dungeon, and we find that Pharaoh dreams a dream, and none of the wise men, the magicians, the soothsayers of Egypt can interpret the dream. And then suddenly, you know, the butler remembers. He says, I remember a young man. He, he refers to him as a young man, a Hebrew, that he could interpret dreams. And suddenly Joseph was sent for. And from the depths of the dungeon, he was brought in before Pharaoh. And I think, you know, there... There is a great type in a sense of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The one who went down into death has come up in triumph and in victory. And so he goes in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, my, the dream. And Joseph interprets the dream. The seven years of plenty first and the seven years of famine. And then to get someone who would look after all of this and all of these affairs, well, Pharaoh Mai was very clear that Joseph was the man to do this. And we see him now as Savior. He gave him a name called Zaphnath Panea which means savior of the world. So Joseph is the savior. Ah, but more than that. You know, Joseph becomes the sovereign. He made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And so here he is. This lad who my came from a far-off land and looked after a few sheep and fed the flock, is now in a place, in a pinnacle of power and prominence. The seven years of plenty, the earth brought forth by handfuls. They tried to count it, the storehouses. My, they, they counted, but they couldn't count it. They left off numbering the, the vastness of it. And so there, my, the storehouses in Egypt were filled and overflowing that the amount of it could not be measured. And then the famine came. And when the famine began to bite, the Egyptians came to Pharaoh. The people came to Pharaoh. And the nations round about came to Pharaoh. But what did Pharaoh say? He said, go on to Joseph. He's the man. That's ah, a lovely picture tonight in the gospel, you know. My, the storehouses were filled. But if you're going to get my from the storehouses, 
You've got to go on to Joseph. And isn't that the gospel tonight? My, the, the great sufficiency of the work of Christ at Calvary. And if a sinner is going to get salvation, they've got to go on to Joseph, the heavenly Joseph. They came from all around. And they were fed. Not only the Egyptians and the nations, but his own brethren, his own brothers came. My, away from that distant land. They had heard that there was corn in Egypt and they came down to Egypt. What am I trying to stress here tonight? I want you to notice this in all three of these. That Joseph fed the flock. But Joseph was destined to feed the nation. To feed the Egyptians. To feed the world. And Joseph began at very humble beginnings. And from feeding a few sheep. My, of his fathers, he finds himself feeding the then known world. And so you can see that when Joseph was feeding the flock, he was being prepared for something bigger, for something greater. And you know tonight, that's what God does. You see, there is no such thing as instant success or instant glory. The fact is this tonight, all of us have to start off in a lowly way. All of us have to begin in a humble way. There's no such thing as starting up there. You have to start down there. And Joseph started my in those humble surroundings and through that he was brought to a place of prominence and a place of power. What a God. Isaiah says, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. You see, tonight, God was grooming Joseph for something higher, for something bigger, for something greater. What about Moses? Moses led the flock to the backside of the desert. Well, you remember that when Moses was born, they were throwing all the male Hebrew children into the river Nile. And Pharaoh, my, was afraid of them populating to such an extent that if an enemy came and they sided with the en enemy, they would overthrow them. And so there was the taskmasters and the tears and the trials. And here are the Hebrews in Egypt. Now, of course... There arose a new king that knew not Joseph. And the years 
Oh, there welcome as it were in Egypt had long passed and gone and now this 70 that had come down into Egypt with Jacob and his family and Joseph's family already there had grown into a great company of people and Pharaoh feared them and so my there was the persecution of the Hebrews and as I say again the Hebrew male children were being destroyed and thrown into the Nile but I'll tell you this in a few years down the line the Egyptians would be thrown into the sea into the Red Sea you know Whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. And if they threw the male children into the Nile to drown them, my, when the Egyptians followed into, after the Israelites who crossed over the Red Sea and God brought the waters back over them and they drowned in the sea. And so Moses was born. And he was a goodly child. He, there was something about him. And, and his mother hid him for three months in the house. His mother was Jacobet. And his father was Amran. And Moses was hid three months. And after three months, she couldn't hide him any longer. So she made uh, an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with pitch. And she got the ark of bulrushes and they set it amongst the flags or the reeds by the bank of the river Nile. And Miriam's sister stood and watched over what would happen. And the princess came down from the palace to bathe in the Nile and her maidens. And they spied this ark of bulrushes and she desired that it would be brought to her. And she opened it up and you know what happened? The babe wept. Moses cried. Moses wept. Now, I would judge that was the greatest cry in all of your Bible. That's about the greatest cry in history. At the exact time, the babe wept. That was a cry that altered destiny. The cry that changed history. But the big thing, the cry that drew sympathy from the princess. My, as Moses wept, that babe, the heart of the princess, my, was softened and she couldn't help but th the thought of destroying this little one 
And so she decided that she would, my, have Moses and adopt him. But she needed someone to look after him for the first number of years. And Miriam was there and she went and got his mother and she looked after Moses until he was 12 years of age and she was paid for it as well. You know, I'm sure some of you heard the late, late Jack Hunter at times, but Jack Hunter said of this, you know, that uh, Moses' mother was the first woman to get family allowance. So I'm not sure about that. But she was paid for looking after the babe, Moses. Well, you know the story. Twelve years into the palace. All those years up until he was 40 years of age. He's out one day and he sees an Egyptian and a Hebrew fighting. He slew the Egyptian, buried him in the sand. The next day he was out and those two Hebrews quarreling. And the one that had done the wrong, he tried to sort him out. And he said to Moses, are you going to do with me what you did with the Egyptian? And Moses knew that it was known. And then Pharaoh knew. And Moses fled. Forty years of age. Now think of this. You think of all those years that he was in the palace. Amidst the finery and the wealth and the fortune of Egypt. There was no power in the world of that day like Egypt. And Moses, as it were, had, had the, the, the world, as it were, at, at his very toe. What about Aaron, his brother? He wasn't having it so easy. He was, he was with the people who were suffering, who were sighing, who were groaning under the taskmasters of Egypt. Now I know the Bible says about Moses that he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin which are for a season. But the fact is this, you know, that Aaron was the man who really suffered with the people. Oh, Moses suffered to such a degree. But all those years that he was in the palace, he wasn't suffering. But Aaron was. See, that's why Aaron is the high priest. For Aaron knew the tears and the trials and the troubles and the heartaches and the burdens and the cares of the people. And so he could identify with them. Aaron was three years older than Moses. <clears throat> and Moses fled. For 40 years he was looking after sheep in the backside of the desert. And from It must have been an awful transformation, as it were. An awful change from being in the palace with the, 
the, the, the wealth and the food and, the, and, the, and everything that was lavished upon him to being in a, a lonely place, in a desert place, leading the flock. Well, you know, I want you to notice again with Moses, and there's much more you could say about him, but Moses led the flock. And God spoke to him one day at the burning bush. He said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. And God said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. God called Moses to go. He says, come and I will send thee. And Moses was reluctant. And he went down to Egypt and he met up with his brother Aaron. And they went in before Pharaoh. I'll tell you, that was courage. And they said to Pharaoh, the God of Israel has said to let the people go. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And he just dispensed with it completely right away. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? Well, we're not going into all the details. But the plagues came. From the first one, the waters turned into blood. To the ninth one, the plague of darkness. And then the plague of death. The Passover lamb, the blood on the door, and on the lentils. And Pharaoh, my, from the palace to the prison to the feeding stalls where the cattle were, my, there was a cry went up in Egypt, the lake of which had never been heard before. And Pharaoh said, get you out. And they left. And then there was the Red Sea. And God rolled back the waters and they crossed over. And then they came to Kadesh Barnea two years after they, they left Egypt. And you know about the 12 spies, the boys and girls sing, 10 were bad and two were good. And they turned back. And for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. Who led them? Moses led them. How long did Moses lead the sheep for? Forty years. How long did he lead the people? Forty years. Moses led the flock because God was preparing Moses to do something infinitely greater was to lead his people. And Moses began, as it were, in a very unattractive place as it guards the, the west side of the desert. Why, what a place for 40 years. But God was preparing him for something big. You know, I don't know an awful lot about sheep, but they do can give a lot of problems. and You can have a whole lot of difficulties with sheep. 
And Moses knew all about this. But I'll tell you this, it was preparing him because he had an awful lot of problems with the people. And if the sheep gave him problems, well, I'll tell you something, the nation gave him even greater problems. They complained, they murmured, they hankered back my after Egypt. Do you remember the golden calf? When Moses was up the mountain, the whole, I'll tell you, the, the man's heart was broken. Do you know something? It got so bad that God said, I'll, I'll wipe them out. And from you, Moses, I'll make a nation. Moses said to God, Meaning, this is, this is the real heart of a shepherd. Moses said, he said, blot me out of thy book first, but don't wipe the people out. Blot me out of thy book. Moses was prepared to pay the ultimate to be blotted out of the book of life altogether. But spare the people. Well, Moses led the flock. And Moses led the nation. Though with only a few minutes, I'll refer to David. David kept the sheep. You get there from 1 Samuel 17. David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. Well, I'll tell you, it was a big day when David went down. The armies were arrayed, the Philistines on one side, the Israelites on the other side, Goliath of Gath. My, he appeared for 40 days, morning and evening, and he just roared at them. And they fled, trembled. Terrified. And David arrives. His father dispatched him down to see how his brothers were there. He had three brothers who were there fighting my and Saul's army against the Philistines. And so my David is dispatched by his father Jesse. And this Goliath defies Israel. And then he arrives and his brothers are there and his oldest brother Eliab. Eliab then despises him. You see it says in verse 28 of 1 Samuel 17, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? He says, I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. <laughs> I'll tell you, he couldn't have been further from the truth. David wasn't a spectator. David hadn't come to see the battle. David came to win the battle. He says, 
I kept my father's sheep. He says, there came a lion and a bear. My, he says, I, 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 I took the lamb out of the, the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear. That's, he was just a lad too, wasn't he? The lion. Oh, he says, I, I caught him by his beard. It'll be a job catching a bear by the beard. I'll tell you. David. And he says, I, 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 I rescued the, the, the lamb out of the, the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, the lion and the bear. You see, the lion is a picture of Satan. He goeth about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the bear is a picture of the world. A bear, you see, will hug you, squeeze you, squeeze the life out of you. And the world will do that, as it were, the spiritual life. Satan, the lion, the world, the bear. But David kept the sheep. You see, with this I close. Take a long time to go into this. But the, the point is again that I'm trying to stress. That David kept the sheep. And David in turn was to keep Israel. And to deliver them. And just as he delivered the lamb out from the, the lion and the bear so in years to come, he would deliver Israel. And he would triumph again and again for their cause. It's, it's the simple thought tonight that Joseph fed the sheep. Then he fed the world. Moses led the flock. He led the people. David kept the sheep, delivered the lambs. He would deliver Israel. You know, tonight, it's a step at a time, isn't it? The hymn writer said, Each night I pitch my moving tent a day's march nearer home. Shall we pray? Gracious God, we give thanks to Thee for the Lord Jesus. We thank Thee for the greatest shepherd of all. And we thank Thee that what we have said tonight, we can see in Him. And what a shepherd. We just pray that Thou wouldst bless Thy word to Thy people and grant that we might be willing to be led and to be in thy hand and know thy care and thy guidance along the way. We ask it in thy name as we part. Amen.